Welcome to Health Essentials, a Cleveland Clinic podcast. There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends, but who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef. As we continue our celebration of women's health this month, we are putting you first by bringing on not one, but two experts to discuss women's sexual health. Sexual health is essential for our overall physical and emotional well-being. A fulfilling sex life can reduce a lot of stress in our lives, improve our mental health, and even improve our quality of sleep. And our featured experts for this topic today, uh, Vice Chair of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Women's Health, Dr. Linda Bradley. Thank you for being here. And also we have clinical health psychologist, Dr. Dana Brensing. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And before we get started, please remember this is for informational purposes only and not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So thank you, ladies, again for being here. I'm going to give you a few moments to introduce yourself, and we can start out with you. Hi. I'm, again, Linda Bradley, uh, Dr. Linda Bradley. I'm actually vice chair of OBGYN at the Cleveland Clinic and see women for a host of problems, uh, some sexual dysfunction issues or sexual concerns, but also a strong interest in evaluating women for abnormal bleeding, um, giving women second opinions to avoid hysterectomy, mm -hmm. and looking when they do need surgery, more minimally invasive techniques and technologies to allow them short stays in hospital, rapid recovery, and good outcomes. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Branza, do you oh, want to introduce yourself? Yes, um, I'm Dana Branza, and I'm a clinical health psychologist. And one of the hats that I wear here is I treat um, patients with sexual dysfunction, both men and women. And um, I also treat people who have ADHD and a number of medical concerns, um, some infertility issues, um, just basically uh, dealing with cancer, dealing with surgery, and also uh, people who have just basic anxiety and depression problems. Sure, sure. Great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Now, humans are sexual beings, and like anything else in life, sex can pose some serious risks. It's up to us to have sex in a way that reduces any chances of getting sexually transmitted infections, diseases, or unplanned pregnancies. And a healthy sex life includes understanding your body and how it works. You have to be comfortable with your body and your own sexual desires. So we'll talk about that today. But I'm going to start off with some questions. Um, Dr. Bradley, I would like to start this discussion regarding women, particularly over 40. Um, as you age, your libido declines or your estrogen declines. How do you keep your sex life going after 40? Well, I think sex should be vibrant from... 40 until 100 yes. until you leave this earth. And I also think that sex does not begin in the bedroom. So whether you're 35, 25, or 95, a lot of the issues that women have with libido and interest may have to do with lifestyle. Mm -hmm. What would that mean? Poor eating, um, being a little over their ideal body weight, um, having chronic conditions that make it more difficult to um, achieve orgasm, sometimes because of being on medica medication or having interest. I think a sex, uh, healthy sex life begins with a healthy body. Yes. And also I think uh, an important um, component is conversation with a partner. And so I think I look at what's happening with a number of my patients. It's okay to be on medications, but sometimes our lifestyle is putting us on antidepressants. Yeah. Um, sometimes having surgical procedures that may have potentially affect one's sexuality. 
um, lack of exercise, depression. So there's a whole host of things. And I think a healthy sex life begins with a healthy body yeah. and healthy relationships. Yeah, and it's all well-rounded, right? And do you have anything to add, Dr. Bengal? Yeah, I agree with everything that Dr. Bradley said. Mm -hmm. um, the relationship is the foundation um, to a healthy sex life. And um, going along with that, I'd say that depending on what stage of life you're in, if you're looking to become pregnant and maybe having trouble mm -hmm. getting pregnant, um, sometimes sex can become a chore, yeah, uh, sort of a science project, and it's <laughs> you know it's um, sometimes very difficult for somebody for for a couple to have um, children. So that can interfere uh, fertility problems. Sure. Also, being pregnant once you've achieved you know the pregnancy and um, having particularly young kids, that can really interfere with your sleep and just your ability to have any free time to spend with your partner. Sure, sure. Now, I know you mentioned earlier uh, poor diet. Can we talk a little bit about poor diet? How does that affect sex life? Well, I think, um, you know, we all know that 70% um, of Americans are over their ideal body weight. And I think of being overweight as... Um, being a, a time where um, just what's in our mitts, our hips, our stomachs, yeah. um, where we're carrying extra weight. I look at this as areas of um, tissue that's not healthy. So I was, I look at myself, this stuff here is not sleep, mm -hmm. it's not dormant, and it's not hibernating, but it's making chemicals of inflammation. And so being overweight, we have carry more inflammatory markers, what gets inflamed, things in our brain, so stroke heart attack, kidney problems, our joints, everything. So sometimes doctors have to treat the chronic diseases that come from being overweight. Sometimes it's body image mm -hmm. in terms of how women look, whether they've just had a baby or they're on medication that may make them gain weight. And so I think um, lack of exercise, um, which can feed into why people are overweight, can lead to problems. Mm -hmm. When we think about, ex and I'll just mention this as an aside, exercise, you know, what happens, your heart rate goes up, yeah. more blood goes to your brain. We find that older people who exercise have less risk of Alzheimer's and dementia. When we exercise, blood goes to our genitals, yes. and so that's very good also. And so um, I just find that when we look at things that we can do um, to help us uh, with our sex life, weight is one thing, sure. decreasing alcohol, because it can actually be, um, yes, it's a stimulant, but also a depressant, sure. um, being in relationships that are toxic, sure. or relationships way in the past that have been uh, associated with domestic violence, or intimate partner violence, or yeah. incest, and many things mm -hmm. like that. So when we look at women, women are more than the sum of their body parts. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we have so many different things. And for women, um, unlike men, they just get an erection and it's up and down. That's how we measure outcome from Viagra. For women looking at drugs and drug therapy, you know, are we worried about the bathroom sink being dirty, our hair not yes. brushed, our kids aren't having more, done, more things that um, sort yes. of um, that turn us on or turn us off. And sure. so I think that um, when we just look at sexuality, it's such a big box, Pandora's yes. box that we sometimes have to open sure. in order to make it where we're comfortable with our bodies, our relationships, and asking for what we want. Sure in the bedroom, what makes us comfortable, what gives us pleasure, what spots do I like to have touched that turn me on or turn me off. And so I think having that conversation is quite important. Sure, and um, the communication is very, very, very important. important. And one thing you guys talked about was pregnancy. You know, mm. during pregnancy, your body looks different. <laughs> After pregnancy, your body will still look different. Um, Dr. Brenza, how do you... Um, 
how do you deal with body image issues? Well, I know you're, you're a therapist. How, do, how mm -hmm. do you deal with that when someone has a body image? What do you say to them? Well, if, um, if body their body has changed right? dramatically, say, mm -hmm. um, with, say, a weight gain or a procedure following a pregnancy mm -hmm. or um, a difficult birth, or if they've had, say, a cancer surgery and now they have a colostomy bag or they have right. a, a mastectomy and right. they've had to endure, you know, some, some plastic surgery to, you know, to help them to feel better about their body after sure. the cancer was removed. Um, we try to encourage people to talk with their partners um, to, to, I guess, to get reassurance that they're still valued and loved and um, also that they're still attractive and sure. to help them to maybe go to a group for other people who have survived a similar um, issue so that they can, I guess, process these feelings that they have about the changes that they're enduring and sure. um, cope more effectively with those. Sure, sure. Great. Now... Um sex we're all trying to reach an orgasm there are many women who can't reach an orgasm is it normal versus it is not is it is it an is it bringing in an issue or what do you do if you can't reach an orgasm can we talk a little bit about that well i think i think we have to have um demystify what an orgasm is and yes. how it differs Please. for men and for women sure. so many women are led to believe that penis in the vagina gives pleasure purely whereas many women need manual stimulation oral stimulation, use of vibrators, use of sex toys to help achieve pleasure because the clitoris sometimes for, for many women is, is the pleasure organ yes. and it may not be something that is, a, that is felt as well with penis and the vagina. Mm. Some people can be brought, brought to climax by touch, by kiss, by palpation of different body parts from ears to elbows to feet. So I think people, women need to know sort of what things bring pleasure or pain um, and also, I think to have um, a partner that knows that the time frame for orgasm in women may be very different in terms of yes. how long it takes. And so it's not, uh, men can get aroused visually. That's why you've got pornography. It's very, very quick um, in terms of penile erections, in terms of what happens. But for women, it sometimes takes a longer time. And mm -hmm. so the few guys that come to the office um, with their partners, I always, um, if they're interested, show where is the clitoris? Yes. What has to be touched? How is it touched? What's the time of refractory period where after a while you're not going to get a second orgasm in five minutes or, yeah, yeah. or something? So I think knowing what is pleasurable and what is not pleasurable and how long it takes potentially to bring on pleasure and what might dampen some of the pleasure-sensing um, nerves in terms of what's going on um, in that part of the body. So, um, and there's also, you know, we think of intercourse. I think a lot of outer course. So, you know, um, we definitely speak about that for teenagers. Yeah. Have a lot of outer course if you want to be sexually active so you don't get pregnant if you're not sure. using anything. Sure. And I hope the moms are okay with that on this show. But, um, but I think that happens as we get older. I have couples where a man could have had prostate surgery, has had problems where he cannot maintain an erection. And people can feel as pleasurable um, in many ways. And for many women, it starts outside of the bedroom. I just think somebody that's been screaming at you all day, upset, uh, doesn't remember your birthday. Um, and for men and for women, I tell, help, tell my patients, let your partner help you in the kitchen. Let your partner help you with homework and all the sort of mundane things that yeah. women have to do in chores. Because a lot of that stuff 
leaves a whole bunch on our minds about what still needs to be done where you cannot relax. And so men who help cook and do things around the house get more sex. And women who have partners who do that um, are often more pleasurable because they can give up their full body. And to kind of also... what I wish I had done, if my daughter's listening, it's okay. I should have had a lock on our door yeah. many years before. Um, because, you know, and now we're having generations, sandwich generations, where mm-hmm. elderly family members are moving in, living in because yes. of ec- economics, right. through death. So there are many things that we can do to make our own bedrooms our own sanctuary. Sure. And so yeah. maybe sex in the shower, in your tub, in different places. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, sometimes it's a, you know, a special weekend and ditch the kids and yeah. grandma for a little while. <laughs> so I'm just saying those are the things we have to sort of look mm-hmm. at. Right, um, right. And, um, and to be creative. Um, none of us eat rice the same way every day. Right. And right. sex has to also be very different. You know, yeah. Maybe today I want some spicy cayenne pepper on it and another day I want lemon Marble pepper. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's how sex should be. You have yeah. to get out of the ordinary. And communication and is communication. key. Right? It sounds like communication mm-hmm. is key. Is there anything else Absolutely. you'd like to add? Absolutely. Um, I think something, I, I was thinking of something um, that I often tell patients about, the Five Love Languages book. Uh, Dr. Bradley was alluding to some of that with um, the acts of service, with um, doing things to make your partner's life a little bit happier or easier. Yeah. You know, doing something that's considerate of them. And a lot of people feel loved when their partner notices that the dishwasher needs to be emptied or the trash needs Without to be taken out. Without being told. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I think the empty dishwasher is the biggest aphrodisiac, really and truly. <laughs> and um, so spending quality time together is important. Um, having date night, like yes. Dr. Bradley was alluding to, um, also, learning to do physical touch in a way that your partner enjoys it. You know, it could be a scalp rub, um, a, a back massage, a foot rub. Yeah. Um, for someone who's on their feet a lot, that might be just pleasurable. And I'm thinking back to um, in a sex therapy course at my university where um, I was just fascinated to see something by um, a group of people who were paralyzed in, at the Kessler Institute in New Jersey. And mm-hmm. There was a, a couple who um, demonstrated how they learned to enjoy sexuality after um, the man was injured in a car accident. Wow. He was paralyzed from his neck down. And what became very sensual and very pleasurable for this gentleman was to have his hair um, rubbed and massaged. And they were making love in a shower. And they shared this with an audience just to kind of to educate us as um, medical students and psychology students about how the different ways... Um, couples manage to improvise yeah. when circumstances are such that you know it's limited their right. ability to enjoy right. sexuality every individual is different and mm-hmm. every couple is different right. so you got to think Absolutely. about that okay now i'm going to talk about painful sex how do you know mm-hmm. when you should see a physician versus like you know how painful is painful well i think sex should not be painful okay. uh, mm-hmm. on a consistent basis i mean um, so we have to sort of look at when these things are most likely to happen Sometimes after deliveries, um, mm-hmm. if there's lacerations or episiotomies or just the stretching from a vaginal delivery and or C-section, mm-hmm. it just hurts down there. So sure. some of that might be a tincture of time with just, you know, four to six weeks of recovery. Okay. And also women who are breastfeeding, um, we are encouraging moms to breastfeed exclusively if possible anywhere from four months to a year. Mm-hmm. And when women breastfeed, the hormone levels are low. Um, and 
if you breastfeed exclusively and on demand, often you don't get periods, and so the estrogens are low. And estrogen, I always think, is a hormone of lubrication. Mm -hmm. It creates um, moisture in the vagina. Mm -hmm. It also helps to provide increasing collagen and elastic and stretch of the vagina. So breastfeeding, when the hormones are low, if you're on chemotherapy and you mm -hmm. stop periods, you're not going to have estrogen. Sure. Also in the menopause and perimenopause, the hormones are fluctuating. And so definitely after a woman stops having periods, which on the average in this country is from ages 51 to 58, it may hurt because the vagina, when we think about it stretching, I've delivered many single babies that are 8, 9, 10 pounds, twins, triplets through the vagina. Yeah. We know that the vagina has a big capacity for a baby's yes. head. But afterwards, we even have four different size speculums. Sometimes as we get older, the vagina becomes rigid inelastic and as thin as your finger. Right. And so we have to provide, um, that hurts. And if it's dry, I have patients who say it feels like Brillo and potato chips down there. Mm -hmm. So we have to provide moisture and hydration, much like we do for our skin and sure. hands. Sure. And so part of it could be cyclical based upon, um, for pain with a lack of estrogen. And we think of all the different, there's certain medicines, even things like, um, Antihistamines, if you have a, are using it all the time to dry out your sinuses, yeah. you can dry out the vaginal out moisture. Okay. So there, are, when I think about it, there can be many things besides just hormonal yeah. and yeah. drug therapy, chemotherapy, um, but also age-related factors. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. And now, how about uh, bleeding? Is bleeding ever normal after sex? No, it's never okay. normal. Okay. And the things that we think about, sometimes the tissue, the vagina gets to be like parchment paper. It's just thin. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's just like as we get older, we can see our arteries and veins mm -hmm. more easily. Sure. Um, so the penis in the vagina, vibrator in the vagina, finger in the vagina, it's going to make that skin um, that's very thin and fragile crack and fissure and break. Um, we also have to think it's rare to have vaginal cancer. It's mm -hmm. rare now to see cervical cancer in women who are having routine um, screenings mm -hmm. with their pap smear. It could be many different things. So I think if it's persistent or heavy, that's when you do need to um, see a physician. And I always say we can't play telephone medicine with that. Some some visits really require that a doctor look and see what's going on, and that would be a certain case. Great. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Okay, Dr. Brenza, I want to talk about a little bit about the psychology behind it, the sex therapy. You know, a lot of time uh, people feel strange or maybe something's going on behind closed doors that's maybe a little weird that you have to see a therapist. But can you talk a little bit more about the psychological side of sex and sexuality and why it's healthy to, to see a psychologist? Yes, yes. I mean, sex is a very natural, uh, desirable part of any you know relationship. And sure. um, particularly if a, a, a pair of people are committed to each other, it's ideal if they're sexually active with each other, if right. they're expecting you know monogamy from, from their partner. And I see ordinary just ordinary, regular people. Um, some of it is sort of like plumbing problems. Um, yeah. Some of it has to do with phase of life problems, okay. um, or maybe uh, developing some anxiety about their ability to function. And yeah. once it begins, it's difficult to be mindful and sort of in the moment um, and, and to enjoy sexuality the way you used to, because you're wondering, gee, is this going to work? Or is, you know, is my partner still attracted to me? Or, you know, um, do I look um, appealing since I had this procedure, this sure. surgery, sure. Um, that sort of thing. And sure. I think what Dr. Bradley was uh, alluding to 
earlier, it's it's important to keep some variety in, in our sex lives. And there are books, lots of them, um, just for regular, you know, mated people who are, you know, middle-aged and just ordinary folks. Um, it's just not vanilla sex, you know, sure. uh, that, that people are having. And it's important to try some variety, to look on um, websites, you know, even search on Amazon for something interesting that might be sort of fun and novel to yeah. to to add some different kind of stimulation, um, maybe an outfit or um, a book where uh, you 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 have a sealed seduction and you you kind of do something different and do a role play. Sure. Um, there are dice games that you can play with your partner. Um, that sort of thing, um, scented massage oil and um, learning different massage techniques. Sure. So buying vibrators and, and things like that. Keeping it's, it different. Now. Exactly. Sure. There are lots of ways to spice things up. And when people come to me, uh, a lot of times something's gone wrong. Maybe they've um, somebody has gone outside uh, the, the partnership mm -hmm. or the marriage and mm -hmm. they're having difficulty with trusting. So um, that has to be rebuilt. But when an affair um, occurs, usually there was a problem in the relationship, and you know both people are contributing to that problem. Right. So you know it's a it's a couple's issue, and sure. they need to kind of fix the relationship. Um, your sex organs, you know, your brain and your heart, I'd say, are, are more important than the, the penis and the vagina. Right. Honestly, I agree. Yes, I agree. Okay, I have one more question for mm -hmm. you, and then we're gonna go to some live questions. Mm -hmm. So, what to expect from my first like therapy <laughs> session, and mm -hmm. should I come along or do I bring my partner? You can bring your partner if you okay. want. Um, it's sort of difficult sometimes for both of you to, if you're both working or there are children to care for, um, sometimes it's difficult for both people to come into the office. So, you know, the person who's in quotes, the identified patient, say the right. person with the erectile issue or the painful, um, you know, intercourse um, might be the one who shows up. But right. um, I often invite people to bring their partner with them to future sessions. Um, yeah. One might expect just a, a basic interview the way you would with an ordinary therapist, just okay. Finding out about, um, say, background issues. Um, how did you get introduced to sexuality? Um, what's your orientation? Are you comfortable in the body? You know that you were born into. Um, did you have any um, unfortunate incidents where you were mistreated sexually? In your current relationship, are you feeling safe? Are you feeling attractive? Are you feeling valued and loved and appreciated? Yeah. You're getting right deep in there to get yeah. these questions. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to go some live questions. Mm -hmm. um, I have Crystal. Can you offer any help with PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder? That's a syndrome mm -hmm. um, in women who menstruate who have anxiety, depression, difficult focusing, mood changes. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it is a real disorder. There's not mm -hmm. a blood test for it. Um, mm -hmm. And they're most often... Um, there are two different roles for therapy. Some doctors will put women on chronic um, birth control pills where their um, hormone levels are monotonous and stay the same. Mm -hmm. Sometimes and many times for that disorder, um, we also may treat with antidepressants. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and there are some other sort of extraneous things that we do, but um, PMS is usually, which is um, is not as significant, not as severe. PMS are usually Symptoms are 150 symptoms, including mm -hmm. PMDD, cravings, um, just many different things, yeah. thoughts, sleep problems. Sure. Um, but those, the PMS, unlike PMDD, occurs about a week or so before the cycle. As soon as a woman starts her period, 
all the depression, anxiety, irritability goes away. PMDD is longer. So it's a little, it's hard, is it Crystal? I forget her name. Yes, um, to answer exactly. Sure. It's not in your head. There are people who can sometimes do talk therapy, and sometimes there's the magic with medication. Yeah. And so sometimes it's a combination of things, um, and there is help for it. Um, when I was in med school long ago, you know, it was said, oh, we can't measure a blood test for it. They do. It's not. A, it's nothing that's going to come up, sure. but um, there is good, good therapy. We want to rule out things like uh, low thyroid function of someone's very, very anemic in terms of feeling sluggish. But once the basic labs are done, then you begin either with talk therapy and then medical treatment right. with beginning at baby doses of medicine and, and changing over time. Most of the antidepressants you do not get better by swallowing one pill. We tell patients they have to be patient and it can take six, four, six to eight weeks sure. at a certain dose and then before we sort of titrate to different levels. Sure. Very mm -hmm. helpful. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you, Crystal, for your question. And exercise. exercise. I'm always going to put exercise yes. in all of that. I mean, yes. it's not always, not one thing fits everybody. And I can't think of, well, I'm sure there's something, but very few things <laughs> for which exercise does not make better. Right. Um, right. In terms of serotonin levels. Things, the happy drugs that your whole own body and brain sure, make. Mm -hmm. sure. Great, mm -hmm. thank you. Um, I have uh, when I am a 60-year-old female, and nine years ago I had a complete hysterectomy due to endometrial cancer. I'm thankful to be cancer-free, but I must confess that I have zero libido, zero interest in sex. I exercise several times a week, and I'm generally healthy. I'm really not interested in taking medication for this issue. Just interest, interested in your comments. Well, um, first of all, I'm happy that you're a survivor. Um, for the nine years for endometrial cancer. And interest could, a lack of interest could be hormonal. And the symptom that you're having, um, you might have had anyhow without surgery because down you're without any hormones. And most 60 year olds are without it. So sometimes women aren't interested because of pain. Okay. And I didn't mention this. So if you think you're going to have pain with intercourse, just like some women always get bladder infections or yeah. yeast infections, mm -hmm. we can treat that. Okay. Some people are avoiding that because it's, it creates this vicious cycle. So if the reason for avoiding or part of a reason could be pain, I didn't mention there's pills, patches, potions, different things we can put into the vagina or take orally to help with hydration. And the vagina gets very pale, white, yellow, instead of having this beautiful pink color like your tongue or the right. underneath of your eyes. Sure. So it is safe. Um, and again, I think when patients have the C word, the cancer word, you have to always talk with your physician. Yes. But it is safe to use um, topical intravaginal estrogens to provide hydration. There are many different products on the market from things called wet to um, replens. Our, our, um, there's something called Astroglide, mm -hmm. which our tax dollars help. To, it's a sex lubricant yes. made and developed through NASA. Where, um, yeah, it's very, NASA's right outside of Cleveland, and, yeah. and uh, one of the guys was, um, this is a true story, was um, trying to come up with something to decrease friction from the ball bearings that go up in the spaceship. So he created this lubricant, and he just told his mom, who was 60, about it, odorless, tasteless, it adds um, moisture, and it's now, you can buy it, and your tax dollars for NASA can help your sex That's life. Amazing. So Astro Life, um, there's many, there's probably, I mean, there's KY Jelly, there's yeah. one, I, I mm -hmm. tell patients, we uh, just came from a conference and we kind of have a 
little bit of a potpourri of different things that you can put on your skin. It's like what I use for my hair and my face. You may not like my moisturizer, but I'm like, I love what I use, yes, okay? So you have to, I tell patients to try, put it on their skin, yeah, buy a month's know. worth and try it. Sure. The other would be, there are some non-hormonal medications that you would speak with your doctor about. And I don't know if I'm supposed to be pushing these names or anything. <laughs> so what I would say is estrogen, I mean, sorry, endometrial cancer, nine years out, is not a contraindication uh, for many different medical therapies. And um, there are some new therapies for women. Um, we're not, it's, it, there's a new medications that increase um, libido for women that you would talk with your physician about. Uh, I don't know if I should mention names on this or not, but your doctors would know. Okay, great. Okay. All right, and then, uh, so, cancer, sex, anything you want to bring uh, to the table with kind of like the Sure, mental... with the behavioral stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, I think that sometimes um, if you're in a committed relationship, and I, I'm not sure that the woman who asked the last question about having, you know, survived cancer um, is... I don't think she mentioned whether or not she's with she's a, a partner, yeah. but um, in in those situations, if you're say you're with a, a partner and um, they're still interested, and sometimes a person can go along with um, you know the suggestion that um, the couple behaves in an intimate way, yeah. and the other person might not initially you know be in the mood for it. It's sort of like if. If, you know, your partner says, I'm in the mood for some ice cream, you know, let's yeah. go to the, you know, Mitchell's locally <laughs> and um, have some wonderful ice cream if we're going to blow it. Let's, you yeah, know, let's, yeah. let's have some good stuff. Yeah. Um, so maybe they would like to um, engage in something sexual. And, well, maybe the idea hadn't occurred to you, but now that they mention it, um, it sounds like a nice idea. So, you know, uh, it, it, at the sex therapy class, um, somebody uh, who was... An older woman at the time uh, taught us about the concept of the unilateral. And it's okay sometimes to give sexual pleasure to your partner, even if you're not quite in the mood. I mean, you can request if you're monogamous together and, you know, you want your partner to, you know, to feel better, to have some, to have an orgasm, to have some sure. pleasure. It's okay, you know, to say, no, thanks. I'm, I'm kind of good, but I'd really like to do this for you. It, you yeah. know, it makes me feel happy to, to provide you the unilateral. Yeah, so yeah. that's yeah. always a, you know, an appreciated thing. thing to do. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. great. Um, Don, after a hysterectomy, is a vaginal exam needed? Uh, vaginal exam, well, after a hysterectomy, um, if you're under a certain age, we usually leave the ovaries. Okay. Um, so we do do a vaginal exam, just to, uh, to, we call it a bimanual exam, um, to check ovarian um, um, status and sure. size. Sure. Which she may be asking about is a pap smear needed. Okay. I'm not sure if that's the same, but I would say the, yeah. vaginal exam, yes, if yeah. you still have the ovaries okay. and any complaints vaginally, dryness, itching, odor, discharge. Um, and we, and if you had um, a hysterectomy for pre-cancer or cancer, we still look. Okay. Um, we do not do a pap test after hysterectomy if the hysterectomy was not done for cancer. So okay. it used to be we would do pap tests, but the pap test is a screening test for cervical cancer and there's usually no cervix. Sure. There are, most of the ways the hysterectomies are done, sure. they're not a cervix. It's, there's no cervix uh, present. Right. If they had what's called a supracervical hysterectomy, some women ask the doctors to keep the cervix because they think it helps to increase vaginal support mm -hmm. and may uh, affect sexuality. 
if the cervix is left, then yes, it would be on a periodic basis. Normally now we're doing paps every five years okay. up until about age 65 or 70. Very good. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I have Jessica. I have severe adhesion, adhesions from years of pelvic surgeries for different reasons. I had a hysterectomy for pain, and the surgeon said my cervix was attached to my bladder, and he did not detach it. I still have uncomfortable pain with intercourse. Is there anything you would recommend to try? Well, if you're in the Cleveland area, we have a phenomenal chronic, pel chronic pelvic pain clinic. Yeah. Um, I don't think more surgery, and I'm not your physician, and I don't know your operative note, but we sometimes have to look at non-surgical therapies. And so at Cleveland Clinic main campus here in Cleveland, um, if you were to call for an appointment, and we also do virtual visits now. Yeah. Um, at least to sort of do a, excuse me, a meet and greet with a physician. But I would say if someone's had multiple surgeries and look at alternatives and ask for the GYN, chronic pelvic pain. We have two physicians, world leaders, national leaders in this, and there's often something that can be done. Sure. Not all pain comes from adhesions. We're finding that the pelvis is like a bowl mm -hmm. um, with many muscles, lymphatics, and nerves. And some patients get uh, tension on the pelvic floor muscles. So we've had many women who've gone through hysterectomies for pain and still have pain, didn't have adhesions, and we do physical therapy um, for the pelvic floor um, to help relax those muscles and sure. some different mm -hmm. things. So innervation, uh, there's just many different yeah, things that they yeah. can do. Good, mm -hmm. Great, thank mm -hmm. you. Well, unfortunately we're out of time, but I could keep going forever. But I'm going to let you guys have the floor. If there's anything you would like to add to the viewers that maybe we haven't touched on, is there anything that you guys would like to add? Well, we can't touch oh. on a few. Yeah, anything well, you want to did say. you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Oh, no, I, um, so I think um, as women, we are sexual beings. Yeah. Um, I'm happy that this topic is being explored. Sure. I think too often so much is kept in the closet. And uh, I think it's important to begin if you're if for yourself, well, it's maybe a little bit late, but look at sexual safety for your daughters, nieces, um, girls that you love. Mm -hmm. yes. um, um, be a mother when you're ready to become a mother uh, and take the issue of sexuality and pregnancy especially when you're young very seriously if you do you know do you want to be pregnant or do you want to be a mom because I think um, when we look at sexuality it's important to, to differ between the two if you see a girl in trouble um, being taken advantage of who talks to you about being sexually abused there's this whole thing now with the Me Too movement, yes. which is a real movement, and I honor that movement, that we look at um, these issues very, very cautiously and carefully and get help. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is, this is all very uh, good information. And for more health tips information, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Cleveland Clinic, just one word, and we'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.